the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up, it looks like the Senate border bill is going down in flames. I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you what I'm doing to celebrate. A concerned father, Dennis Hannon, joins me. We're going to talk about why he was helpless to prevent his son from taking puberty blockers in order to transition into a girl. Hey, if you're watching on Rumble or listening on Apple, Google, or Spotify, please subscribe to my channel. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show. this voice. The times are crazy. In a time of confusion, division, and lies, we need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. I was heading out to the uh, podcast this morning, and usually um, I get dressed, and then as I come marching out, Debbie checks out what I'm wearing, and she's like, is that what you're wearing? I'm like, yeah. She goes, well, this is Texas. I go, yeah, I know. She goes, bright pink sweater, Dinesh. <laughs> she goes, uh, it, it takes a very secure man to wear a bright pink sweater in Texas. <laughs> and uh, putting on my, my best lisp imitation, I go, I don't know about that. Oh my god. Anyway, I, I, oh, I guess this is a this uh Brian, this outfit. Brian, just don't show his pants, okay? Um, it's like- well Brian here in the studio is only concerned about one thing and that is does my outfit match the background? So typically if I come in with like a brown sweater, which would be a more Texan sweater, a brown sweater, Brian goes, Well we can't really see you. You're a brown guy, the brown sweater, and you got a brown wall behind you. You know, this is this is just not going to work visually. So wear hot pants. So, <laughs> so that's why. I, so yeah, I mean, look look at the contrast and all, how awesome it is. Oh, all right, let's talk about the border. Now, I'm happy to say that I think this border bill is going kaput. It's fizzling. It is going down in flames, and it's kind of a glorious thing to see. Now, first of all, I was very encouraged to see. Um, the Speaker of the House, uh, Mike Johnson, uh, and he said with really utmost clarity, he goes, uh, the first line of his comment was, I've seen enough of this. And he goes, this is not only dead on arrival in the House, it's not even going to be voted on. Great. This is the kind of, of thing we need from the House. This is the House acting like a Republican House. And right away, Mike Johnson was, was, was buffeted, was, was a Confirmed by um, by all the leadership. Steve Scalise was right there, and um, and uh, Elise Stefanik was right there, and uh, of course a lot of the others. Byron Donald, so many others. There, uh, Anna Paulina Luna is that you know this is going nowhere in this house. 
great because for as you know for a bill to become a law it needs to pass the house and the senate and be signed by biden so now the question shifts to the senate and and there's the puzzle of are republicans in the senate really going to sign off on this bill and i think the answer to that question now is a clear no it looks like mcconnell himself has gotten cold feet and he is telling people privately all right that's it we're going to don't vote for this bill so so let's look at the situation mcconnell kind of cooked up the scheme with schumer he brought in this point man uh, james lankford of oklahoma now i mentioned this to debbie and she was a little uncomfortable about me bringing it up but anyway i'm going to bring it up which is that lang well lankford is a bible study guy you know he's a he's a guy known for running these bible courses and look i have nothing against that that's a noble calling but here's my question and it's just a machiavellian strategic question when you're dealing with the mafia mm-hmm. and that's what's going on you're dealing with schumer you're dealing with the biden regime mayorka says you're dealing with a gang of thugs is it really effective to send like a bible study guy i mean this is like i'm going to have a i'm going to have a ruthless negotiation with xi jinping i'm going to send in a dance instructor you know to represent the no this is not necessarily the best way to go you there are plenty of senators send in ted cruz i mean send in tom cotton um there there are josh holly there are republicans who would understand completely what they were dealing with i don't th- think langford did and well, guess what I mean, i'm actually giving doesn't a priest go in for an exorcism i mean hello <laughs> uh, okay debbie has a good point she's like if you're dealing with demons it may be that a guy who's a accomplished exorcist but this is this is a good point what langford should have done is he should have gone in with basically holy water right. and when they whip out the bill he starts sprinkling holy water on the bill sprinkling holy water on schumer naturally schumer would run shrieking out of the room kind of yeah. like a scene out of the exorcist yeah. but he didn't do that it, it, what he did was he 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 he, uh, he assumed that the other side had the same good faith that he was bringing to the table he he's and i saw him on cnn i mean he's he's very much his whole philosophy was a little bit turn the other cheek again a philosophy I don't think appropriate to dealing with these kinds of of characters I'm sorry to say. Now, let's look at the bill because I haven't discussed the content of it and and fortunately since the bill is now going to be receding in the rearview mirror, we don't have to hash out all the details, but here are just a few of them which leads me to the conclusion that no sane Republican with a capacity to read and digest context could have signed off on this. And that really raises questions about Langford and his naivete. Uh, I don't attribute to him ill will. Um but uh and McConnell to whom I do attribute some ill will because I don't uh, McConnell is a very seasoned hand. And by the way, McConnell has been very good at doing block and tackle in the past. I am not a sort of one of these guys who just says McConnell's horrible, McConnell's a rhino, get rid of McConnell. Uh, I have a lot of respect for things McConnell has accomplished, but something is going on here. uh in which McConnell I think was trying to pull a fast one using Langford and now that the ruse has failed McConnell is, is sort of throwing Langford under the bus but here's the bill number 
before calling a block, before sort of calling a stop, it allows up to 1.8 million illegals to enter and then parts of the border get closed. Number two, it allows Biden to cancel even that. Biden has the discretion to declare that there is a kind of, it's in the national interest to temporarily stop this and he can unilaterally suspend the bill. It funds sanctuary cities and NGOs, sending millions and millions of dollars to these, the very organizations that are running this whole operation. They get bankrolled by who? By you, by me, uh, by taxpayers. It subsidizes free taxpayer funded legal counsel to illegal aliens. It does not require a single deportation. It takes all the illegal Afghans who went running on the plane, many of them who were never vetted, some of whom may be terrorists, and it essentially creates a process to make them all citizens. So it creates a pathway to citizenship for 60,000, you can say, runaway Afghans. So this bill is an unmitigated disaster. Uh, Langford keeps saying, read the bill, read the bill. I've gone through the bill. I've looked at all the key provisions of the bill. It's a horrible bill. And I think no, no Republican, no, no one who takes our laws seriously. And think of what it means to take our laws seriously. The people who should be here should be here. The people who should not be here should not be here. And the people who should not be here who are here should be sent back. Mm-hmm. So that is the necessary template. I'm picking this up, by the way, from Mark Krikorian in a post that he did this morning. And the necessary template for any rational uh, immigration policy. And if we depart from that, which this bill clearly does, it deserves to be sent into oblivion. Mike Lindell and the employees of MyPillow want to thank my listeners for all your continued support. And thank you. They are having an overstock clearance sale right now for the best prices ever when you use promo code Dinesh and you get free shipping on your entire order. Get 50% off the MyPillow 2.0. That's the pillows. Also on the brand new flannel sheets that just arrived. Won't last long. Get six-pack towel sets for just $29.98. Take advantage of the free shipping on larger items like mattresses, mattress toppers, 100 percent made in the USA on sale for as low as $99.99. Everything is on sale from the brand new kitchen towels, the bath towels, the dog beds, the blankets, the couch pillows, so much more. So check it out. To get the best specials, go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code Dinesh or you can call 800-876-0227. 800-876-0227. That's the number. Get free shipping on your entire order while supplies last. As Christians, we have a sacred duty to honor and respect Israel and the Jewish people as God's chosen ones. In Genesis, God promised Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. This covenant remains binding today. Israel is a chosen nation that the Lord will never abandon, but one day renew completely. I'm honored to support Voice of Judah Israel. That's Voji, Voice of Judah Israel, a messianic ministry focused in the heartland of Israel. Voji encourages evangelism, discipleship, and church planting in the land of Israel. Voji also uses humanitarian outreach to support all Israelis. Let's fulfill our duty as Christians to bless the Jewish people. The fields are ripe for harvest in the Holy Land where our faith was born. Will you seize this moment? Rise up with Voice of Judah Israel and empower the Jewish people. Let's fulfill our duty as Christians. Bless Israel. Communicate 
communicate to them that they are not alone. Your financial support ensures the ongoing ministry of Voice of Judah Israel. Visit vojisrael.org slash Dinesh. That's vojisrael.org slash Dinesh. You know, the topics of woke ideology, the trans issue, to some degree the race issue, I'll sometimes listen to people talking about this, and they are so dug in that the thought crosses my mind, they seem so persuaded of the irrational things that they're saying. The country is a fount of white supremacy. Every white enjoys privileges over every black person. Uh, yes, Dinesh, even a white guy from Appalachia who makes $11,000 a year is privileged compared to Oprah Winfrey. There are people who say this stuff with a straight face. And they believe it, or they seem to believe it. And the same thing with the trans issue. Um, and that is, I'm in the wrong body. And and I begin to think to myself, is it even possible to persuade these people? Is it even possible to have a dialogue with them? Are they so brainwashed, indoctrinated, call it what you will? And then I saw a very interesting exchange between a student and a professor on social media. This has gone, gone viral. I don't even know where this happened, what school it is, but you've got a teacher in a classroom and doing the job of a teacher, which is what? Not blasting the student and saying that he's wrong, but showing him how to think about the issue. Uh, and the, the nub of it is that the student begins by saying, Given that J.K. Rowling, this is the author of the Harry Potter stories, is a known homophobe, um, and uh, and then on the student is to the races with that, uh, and the professor or the teacher just stops him right there and says, all right, look, let's do a little bit of an exercise, because you're starting with the premise. What is your premise? You use the word given. That means that it's established. It's known. And a known homophobe. This is, you're, you're starting with that. And so he says, give me an example of uh, how you arrived at the conclusion that J.K. Rowling is a homophobe uh, or a transphobe. And the student goes, well, uh, uh, I'm not necessarily saying that I think that she's a transphobe, but there are many others who have said that. And the professor and the teacher stops him and says, well, listen, we're trying to learn critical thinking here. We're trying to learn how to use evidence. So we're not going to appeal to what other people think. We're, I'm asking you what you think, because you said not that given that there's an opinion out there, given that there are rumors, but rather you said given that she she is, she is, meaning you believe her to be a transphobe. What has she said that is transphobic? And then the, the student is kind of flustered, but quickly fumbles through the J.K. Rowling uh, feed and says, well, here we go, here we go. Uh, J.K. Rowling says something to the effect of, of, listen, I don't have anything against the trans people. Anybody who wants to be a trans can live their life. Uh, but uh, I also have the right to live my life. And all my life, I've thought of myself as a woman, uh, and my experiences, experience as a woman, and I refuse to be bullied by someone telling me that my experience is somehow invalidated um, because of some trans ideology out there. And the teacher then turns around and goes, all right, well, identify what in that statement is transphobic. 
And now comes that moment of truth where the student is fumbling and the student says, uh, well, I don't really know. Uh, I assume. And pretty soon the student is, is like, well, I, I don't really perhaps think it's transphobic at all. And then the professor affirms, isn't the statement merely saying that if a trans person has a right to their truth, that's the way that they want to be, that's the way that they want to live, but it's a whole different matter to demand of you that you alter your perception, including your perception of them, because if they have the right to perceive you as they wish, you have the right to perceive them as you wish. If they have the right to interpret your reaction, you're a transphobe, you're this, you're that. You have the right to interpret their behavior. You're not really a girl. You th- you're suffering from, you know, a confused identity. Uh, you're, um, there's something wrong with your mind. The, I have the same right to these opinions as trans people have to their opinions. And then the student says at the end, I feel like such an idiot because I actually agree with that. So this is a case where, again, uh, and and it's a it's a power. It's a it's in a way a reflection of indoctrination because the student's real view was always the same as J.K. Rowling's view, but the student had been browbeaten, perhaps in order to be cool, perhaps in perhaps by other teachers who had just insisted on this dogmatic premise, and the student didn't was not employing the tools of critical thinking. So what I get out of this little episode is that it is possible. It takes work, and it obviously takes some skill. This professor was very skilled in not saying to the student, you're wrong, you're mistaken, because in that case, the professor would be doing the same thing as the professors who indoctrinated the student in the first place. So the professor says, let's examine why you are saying what you are. Uh, and let's see if those premises really hold up. So I think this was a, a kind of a master class, if you will, in ideological deprogramming. And so it gives me some, I wouldn't say optim- optimism, but perhaps hope uh, that we can rescue some of these lost souls. How are you feeling these days? I mean, I feel great. And one of the reasons I believe I feel better is because I take this balance of nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule. They have an amazing story of how this product was developed by Dr. Douglas Howard. It's right there on their website. Balance of Nature receives over a thousand success stories every single month. They have hundreds of thousands of customers who have purchased billions of capsules of their fruits and veggies over the past 20 years. You should check it all out on the website. The products are gluten-free and non-GMO, and they contain no added sugars or synthetics. I think if you're looking for something to make you feel better, naturally, you should definitely give Balance of Nature a try. In fact, order today. When you order online or call them direct, you got to use promo code AMERICA. You'll get a special offer, 35% off. Here's the number to call, 800-246-8751. Once again, it's 800-246-8751. Use discount code AMERICA, or you can go online at balanceofnature.com. When you use the discount code AMERICA, you'll get 35% off. There's nothing worse than hearing about people living in pain. Why would you do that? That's why I want to tell you about Keith from Washington and his Relief Factor story. After years of activity from college football to running a martial arts studio, at age 51, Keith's body felt like it was wearing out. So he gave Relief Factor a try. 
Keith says he now has, quote, little to no pain in my knees and highly reduced neck pain. He's feeling so much better. He pursued a second degree black belt. That's quite a story. And you know, on a personal note, that relief factor has worked for me and Debbie, our family, our friends, Mike here in the studio. So if you're living with aches and pains, see how relief factor, a daily drug-free supplement could help you feel and live better every day. To get started, try the relief factor three-week quick start kit. It's only $19.95 and comes with a feel better or your money back guarantee. So what do you have to lose? Visit relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. The number again, 800-4-RELIEF or go to relieffactor.com. You'll feel the difference. One of the most remarkable and I would say puzzling phenomena of our day is the issue of children who decide at some point or at least claim to know that they are in the wrong body that uh, I was born a boy I was uh, I was called a boy and I decide I'm actually a girl I'm a I'm a girl in a boy's body now I'm assuming that some of this has occurred for a long time but what is striking is how pervasive it seems to be today and the complex issues it generates with regard to parental rights, with regard to indoctrination in schools, and so many other issues. I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Dennis Hannon. He is a software engineer. He's a former banking vice president. But most importantly for our purposes, he's a dad. And he's a dad who has gone through this phenomenon with his kid. And I want to explore how this happens with with some granular detail. Uh, Dennis has a, uh, a website. It's a Give, Send, Go, where you can support him. It's givesendgo.com slash indoctrinate this. Uh, and the organization is called indoctrinate this. Indoctrinate this.org is, is the website of the, uh, of the organization. Dennis, welcome, uh, to the podcast and thank you for joining me. I realize this is a, uh, an uncomfortable topic to be, uh, to be talking about. So I want to begin the story kind of at the beginning. Uh, and that is, um, uh, talk about, uh, talk about your family and talk about when you first had an inkling that you were dealing with this so-called trans phenomenon in your own household. Yeah, th- so thank you for having me. Uh, I-, I appreciate this opportunity to be here and, and tell this story. Uh, th- there was never any indication for my child ever uh, that there was any kind of gender confusion um, or gender dysphoria at all. I found out about this, about the uh, transition of my son from a letter in the mail addressed to the parent or guardian of Ruby Rose Hannon. And this was from the school. And this was after I reached out to them because I wasn't receiving any important school updates. There was an issue, they fixed it, and then shortly after I received this letter in the mail. Now, I opened the letter because the address was correct. However, I thought that maybe they had the wrong uh, name for the child printed on the letterhead. When I opened it, I was devastated to learn that my son was assigned a new name, Ruby Rose, and they referred exclusively to my son using female pronouns. So it was she, this, her, that. And and that was really the, um, that, that was the starting point. Now, you and your wife were separated, I believe, in the year 2015, correct? Correct. And uh, so your son was living with his mom, 
when all of this happened. And um, so I'm assuming, tell me if this is right, was the mom kind of on board with this and didn't inform you about it? Um, uh, is that what happened? Or did the school kind of, who initiated this? How, how did this come about? Does, does a child go up to the school or to the mother and go, I think I'm really not what, how does this work? This was purely initiated by the mother. Um, so I found out after that letter and through court discovery and proceedings that I found out that his transition actually started at about the age of two to three. Uh, during this time, when I was picking my son up, I only had him for two hours Tuesday, two hours Thursday, supervised visits only. And a lot of that time was spent during commute. However, when I was picking my son up, he was a boy named Matthew. When he was in my care, he was a boy named Matthew. There was never any indication that any of this transition was going on. However, when he was in his mother's care and when he was going to school, he was a girl named Ruby Rose. So you're saying that while your son was with you, there was never a single point. Are you saying that your son goes, you know, hey, dad, you know, I'm having these weird feelings. I kind of I'm not sure who I am. I'm I'm I, I want to wear a dress. Did any of that occurred? It was, was any of that kind of conversation or not at all? Not at all. There was never any indication whatsoever. Um, and I think that the lack of time that I had with him during this point, because it was uh, the divorce and custody was still fresh. A lot of that time, you know, the two hours, I would say 20 to 30 minutes of it was spent commuting. So I would get him and it was right around dinner time. We would focus on dinner. We would have some play, some activities, but there was never any mention of this uh, whatsoever. And I think that the my son living a double life had become normalized. And because he was so young, he just accepted that as normal. So he never mentioned the contrast in lifestyles between uh, being with me, his father, and then when he would go back home with his mother. I mean, it seems obvious to me, Dennis, that there is a elaborate kind of deception at uh, work here, right? Because Because somebody told the kid, don't tell your dad anything about this. Because let's say, for example, that Matthew decides I want to be Ruby. Let's say the school goes along, the mom goes along. The next time you go to pick him up, you'd assume that he'd be in a, a she in a dress and pigtails and, you know, bobby pins and so on. But the very fact that your your son would show up presumably in male clothing um, and give no indication of this, uh, I mean, that must be part of what is disturbing about it, right? In other words, somebody has created in this child a uh, a dual life, one life with your dad, uh, one life presumably with your mom and at school. Uh, and um, why do you think this... Um, this was done in this way. Well, why wouldn't why wouldn't your ex-wife call you up and say, hey, listen, you know, I think our son is actually a girl. I think the deliberate attempt to conceal this from me was done solely because of this was something that was inflicted upon him. This wasn't something that he wanted. This was an illusion pushed by the mother. And I think that the mother knew that if I found out about this, then I would put a stop to it as quickly as possible. Because when I did find out about it, 
that's exactly what I did. Um, but there were other people involved. So when he was two to three, he was seeing a therapist and the therapist is a self-described, uh, um, gender affirming specialist that specializes in adolescent care. Now he was also going to this therapist at no point did that therapist ever reach out to me, offer for me to be a part of any treatment plan. Uh, I was never informed that he was even going to therapy. He never met the DSM-5 criteria for gender dysphoria, still has never met that criteria. And when the therapist was subpoenaed for records, she denied the subpoena. And her reason for that was because she kept no notes of any therapy visits. However, that didn't stop her from recommending uh, or referring uh, my son and the mother to a endocrinologist by the name of Dr. Tran. That's a real name, not making that up, Dr. Tran. And over two phone calls totaling 45 minutes with only the mother, they never spoke to the child, they recommended the possibility for puberty blockers around the age of nine. Now, you find out about this. It apparently is a, well, clearly a pretty elaborate collusion, right? You got the mom involved. You got the school involved. I assume that the school is marching in lockstep with the mom. The mom says, hey, I've got, you know, a uh, a boy that is transitioning to be a girl. The school goes, okay, we're going to now start calling her Ruby. And we're going to send letters with, obviously, with that designation. Then you got a therapist I'm assuming that you're aware that there is now a uh, sort of an industry similar to the plastic surgery industry that makes a lot of money off of these treatments because it's not that easy to make this biological transition. It's pretty expensive. Uh, It's a process involving several years. Um, Let's back up for a minute. Do Do you think that this is a, I mean, to, to put it bluntly, a form of child abuse that where you have where 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 you take a kid uh, that is born male is male uh, and you um, you subject them with parental authority with school we have authorities here uh, that are making these decisions uh, that are making decisions for the kid that have lifelong impact. I mean, the kid's going to have to live with this, right? Pretty much your whole life. Unequivocally, this is a form of child abuse. They had a treatment plan, a transition plan, before they had a diagnosis. And what is that? Lay out that plan. I mean, I'm just not so familiar. Like, what is? What are the four steps of that plan? Yeah. So the 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 first step was affirming affirming that he was a girl and using, you know, the name Ruby Rose in school. He was completely uh, socially transitioned in school, meaning he went to school wearing dresses, makeup, hair done up, female accoutrements, accessories, uh, that kind of thing. And then they fast-tracked him to an endocrinologist, having still never even been diagnosed with gender dysphoria, mind you, uh, who recommended puberty blockers at the age of nine, the potential for puberty blockers, and they had never even spoken to the child. So this is um, this is a big business, and it's very clear that their business model is gender dysphoria, and had they done their due diligence, they would realize that my son was never a candidate for any of this. Not only that, but we had doctors testify during trial that said that they were unable to formally diagnose him with gender dysphoria 
at the age of five or three or four for that matter, because his gender identity hasn't developed yet. What do you think, Dennis, is the motive here? I mean, I, I don't want to, I mean, this is not really about you and your wife and, and issues between the two of you, but I mean, are we dealing here with a left-wing kook who basically decides for ideological reasons? Or is this a, a form of lashing out at you? In other words, I'm trying to get at why somebody would do this. Well, I've spent many sleepless nights wondering that same question as well. Years ago, um, I, I first said this to a therapist and I was laughed at. I believe that this is a form of Munchausen by proxy or mental illness imposed by another. That's what I believe or some kind of underlying mental illness and this is how it manifests. I will say that during the time of my son's transition, he was being paraded around in public in public beauty pageants. Uh, he was giving shout outs to drag queens on social media from the mother's Facebook. And I think that this was a form of virtue signaling so that she could somehow climb up the social ranks within her inner group um, and and just seek attention. I, I don't know how that's my theory on it, um, but I think I will never truly understand the reason why somebody did something like this. Um, I can only speculate. I mean, that's a very arresting phrase, Munchausen by proxy. The, I mean, you know, one of the things that has occurred to me is that you have people, I mean, if you have people who are white in a society where race counts for something and, you know, you're, so how do you, how do you, where's your Trump card coming from in that phenomenon? Well, the answer is my kid is trans, right? Suddenly you, you now join the coalition of the oppressed. Uh, and so I'm assuming that in the oppression, Olympics, if I can use that term, you now move up a notch. I mean, it's just hideous for me to think that this would be a motive for you to, in effect, destroy your kid's life. Let's talk briefly about the courts. You go to the court, and uh, and what was the basis of your claim or your objection? And let's talk a little bit about what the court decided and why. Sure. So this has gone through many courts. The legal battle spanned. It feels like ages, but it was between five to seven years, I believe. Um, it started out in Niagara County Erie uh, Family Court, and then it went to Erie County Family Court, and then it went to Erie County Supreme Court. In between that, there were a lot of judges. When this first came out through proceedings and subpoenas that were being served as to the extent of how they were fast-tracking them uh, without following any proper medical guidelines or standards for or procedures for this, um, all of a sudden, these doctors kind of just drifted off into the sunset. I never heard from them again. However, the courts ordered me to take my son, even though he never was diagnosed with gender dysphoria, I was ordered to take him to a psychosexual therapist, sometimes once a week at $145 a session. They didn't accept insurance because they thought he might have gender confusion. Even after all of that evidence and everything came out, that this is just predicated on a big lie, uh, I still had to keep him in this system. So what did I do? After a year and a half of him being in there, I had sole medical authority at the time. I said, look, no diagnosis of gender dysphoria has ever been made. I'd like my son to be discharged. The therapist refused to discharge my son, wrote a letter to the court, and then afterwards I lost sole medical authority. 
And where does the case stand now? Has the case been concluded? And are you in the very unfortunate position of, in a sense, helplessly watching your son uh, be bombarded with these medical, if you can use those term, treatments? Uh, do you have any further recourse? Um, and um, what, um, what, what is your organization, Indoctrinate This, aimed at doing? Yeah, so I took this all the way to Supreme Court trial. It was a three-day trial. The final verdict of that trial was sole custody for the mother. I only have visitation rights. Uh, I do see him a few days a week and every other weekend overnights. I have no medical decision-making authority, meaning uh, I, I have no authority over the providers or the treatment plan that is based solely up to the discretion of the mother. Uh, however, the good news in all of this is my son is awake now. When this first started, he was three years old. He didn't have a voice. As he got older, now he realizes what happened to him. And he's reminded nobody ever considered the psychological impact of transitioning a child ages three to five. So there were kids in school, you know, weren't you a girl named Ruby? Wasn't your name Ruby? So he still has to deal with that. And that is very traumatic for him to deal with. However, I am very proud of my son. He's a warrior. Um, at one point, I was court ordered not to discuss his gender identity with him, but we have open, honest uh, dialogue. He still shows no signs of, of wanting or having any desire to be a female, and he lives a very normal life. So, Dinesh, although I may have lost on paper, I won where it's most important because I say, in my, I truly believe I saved my son's life with the with the path that he was going down. So I started Indoctrinate This to help other parents in similar situations. If I have to be the first boot to drop for more parents to come forward and for us to put an end to this gender-affirming care for minors, so be it. But I feel like by telling this story and raising awareness, it, true change starts with exposure, and that's why I'm here. Um, I, I, I want reform from this. I want people to learn from this experience so that this doesn't happen to another child or parent again, so this wasn't in vain. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your story. This is Dennis Hainan. I've been talking to the organization indoctrinatethis.org. That's the website. And if you'd like to support, givesengo.com slash indoctrinate this. Um, Dennis Hainan, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, sir, for, being, for letting me uh, tell my story on your platform. God bless. There's no better time than right now to call our friends at PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition to start your journey to a healthier you. As I hear from many of you about how PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition has changed your lives, I know that each one of us has our own reasons for starting. I started because I was feeling a little bit sluggish, tired all the time. Debbie tried everything else. Nothing would work, so we just needed some help. I've heard from countless listeners who did what we did and started the PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition program. I heard from one listener who went from his yearly physical, was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and the medicine made him sick. So he decided to do PhD instead. He has completely reversed his diagnosis. Debbie talked to a lady who, just like her, couldn't get the menopause weight to go away. Dr. Ashley and her team helped her lose the weight and keep it off. So there are so many reasons to start, and honestly, I can't think of even one good reason to put it off. So make 2024 your year. Call PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition today. Here's the number 864-644-1900 to get started, or you can go online at myphdweight.com. Weightloss.com. That's myphdweightloss.com or call 864-644-1900.
I'm in the early section of Harry Jaffa's book, Crisis of the House Divided, a study of the Lincoln-Douglas debates. We're talking about the case for Douglas. And uh, contemporary historians tend to say of Douglas with a kind of condescension that Douglas was out of sync with the forces of history. Douglas didn't realize that history was on the side of freedom. And, uh, and moreover, that Douglas was a man that tried to sideline or make irrelevant moral issues. Douglas uh, saw slavery as a matter of dollars and cents, a matter of self-interest. And so he uh, didn't have a very vivid or strong moral compass. Now, these critiques of Douglas fall flat. And um, they fall flat because, number one, nobody knows the direction of history. Uh, Douglas himself, as we will see, had a very powerful and clear view of freedom. Lincoln had a different view of freedom. So the issue isn't freedom is going to triumph. Even if freedom does triumph, whose view of freedom would triumph? Let's remember Lincoln's view of freedom was the view of, uh, from the slave's point of view, the slave should be emancipated. The slave deserves freedom. Douglas affirmed a different kind of freedom, which is the freedom of communities and states to rule themselves, to make decisions about their own internal affairs. People should be trusted, communities should be trusted with making their own decisions. So that's freedom too. That's the freedom that is essential to democracy, to self-government. That's the freedom Douglas believed firmly enshrined in the Constitution. In fact, it's the meaning of we the people. Uh, he saw America as a confederation coming together, if you will, of states. Uh, and so... Simply to say that Douglas didn't see where freedom was, quote, going is a certain uh, involves a certain determinism that was shared neither by Douglas nor by uh, Abraham Lincoln. Now, what about this idea that Douglas was kind of a kind of a bad guy who wasn't concerned with moral issues and maybe sort of didn't have a strong, vivid feeling about people who were outsiders or people who were oppressed? Uh, this is uh, not true at all, uh, because first of all, the issue again becomes which outsiders do you sympathize with the most? Now, for Lincoln, the answer was kind of obvious, which is to say I'm sympathizing with the slave dragged against his will across uh, the continent uh, through the Middle Passage, uh, brought to America in chains. But Douglas, too, had his own um, unfortunates, if you will, that he sympathized with. And who were those? Well, they were basically the the wretched of the earth coming to America from Europe. Uh, America's ranks were being multiplied by immigrants. Now, these were white immigrants, but they were not white immigrants uh, from England, uh, and they were not white immigrants from Northern Europe. There were a lot of Eastern Europeans. There were there were Irish. There were Poles. Remember, these people were Catholics coming to a Protestant country, uh, and there was there were powerful movements in America that looked down on these immigrants and sought to keep them out. There were movements like the Know Nothings. Um, and the um, the so-called Native Americans. Now, we don't mean uh, Native Americans, meaning American Indians, but Native Americans, people who saw themselves as America-born, who saw outsiders, people trying to become Americans as the problem. People who should be, people who would degrade the country, people who would bring it down, people who would take away your jobs. And Douglas sympathized with these um, with these new immigrants, 
Uh, and Douglas openly attacked the know nothings and he openly attacked the so called, uh, Native Americans. Uh, interestingly, Lincoln did not. Uh, Lincoln opposed the know nothings, uh, but only in private. In public, Lincoln was almost zipped about it. And why? Because the know nothings were potential voters in the Republican party. The know nothings were actually, um, um, they were, they were part of the Northern coalition that Lincoln was trying to put together in his election in 1860 for the presidency. So one might say that when it came to defending uh, immigrants, let's remember these are legal immigrants. We're not talking about today's issue of people crossing the border unlawfully. We're talking about the fact that America was letting in a lot of people from Europe. Uh, these people were settling the great American West. Douglas took their side. Lincoln did not. This is important to know. Further, uh, when people say that Douglas didn't uh, care about slavery, and Douglas was famous for saying that he, quote, didn't care whether slavery was voted up and down, Douglas did not mean by that that I personally don't care about slavery. This is what Douglas really meant. He meant that when I say I don't care, it means that there are certain subjects on which a statesman should not offer a public opinion. Why? Because it's not his jurisdiction. It's kind of like a guy is up for trial in a court in Missouri. It's up to the laws of Missouri and a jury in Missouri to decide what should happen to that guy. Now, should the president of the United States or a senator jump in from another state and go, that guy is guilty. He deserves to be convicted. He must get the death penalty. Douglas's point is, it's none of your business. You can have a private opinion on it, but this is for Missouri to decide. So it's not to say that you can't say what you think, but it may be that if you are a statesman in a responsible position of power like the president, you don't want to prejudge the matter. You don't want to act like you're overruled ruling the state of Missouri, you might be better to say nothing about the subject and let the people who are in charge of deciding decide. That doesn't mean that you are morally indifferent to the man, his plight, whether he's innocent or guilty. It's not that you don't care. It's that it's not your job to decide. Now, this position that Douglas took was very damaging to Douglas himself, which is why it's such a brave position for Douglas to take. If Douglas had only said this, listen, uh, I personally am anti-slavery. I support popular sovereignty and I want each state, each community to decide for itself. But I think that this mechanism of popular sovereignty will bring about in time the end of slavery. If Douglas had said that, in my opinion, he would have destroyed the career of Abraham Lincoln. Not just my opinion, in Harry Jaffa's opinion. I'm going to read from Jaffa. In 1858, after the Lecompton Battle Royale, don't worry about that, we'll get to the Lecompton uh, Battle, one public word from Douglas on the immorality of slavery, one word merely to the effect that popular sovereignty, instead of, quote, not caring whether slavery was voted up or down, was in fact the best constitutional instrument for giving effect to the overwhelming northern free soil condemnation of slavery in the territories, and Douglas could have destroyed Lincoln's whole claim to leadership and made himself the unquestioned free soil leader in the Northwest. So what we're getting at here 
is that the country is precariously balanced between the North and the South. But as we will see, the deciding factor, the political deciding force in the country is the great American West. It's the fact that the country is opening up to the West. So America is not just North-South. The West is opening up. Now, the West at that time didn't mean California. It was actually what we would today call the Midwest. But the West was the uh, the place where ultimately the 1860s election would be decided. The West was the place where the slavery question would be decided. And Douglas, who had a chance to win over the West simply by saying, I'm against slavery and my solution, popular so- sovereignty, will bring about the end of slavery. Douglas refused to do it. He refused to do it because he believed on principle, it is not my job to take sides in a matter that is decided by the states alone. And so in doing this, Douglas created a vulnerability. He set himself up for Abraham Lincoln to step in and essentially say that Douglas's position was a disguised form of defending, of defending slavery. But looked at from Douglas's point of view, Nothing could be further from the truth. Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 